All right, this is Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. With me is my partner uh, in Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC coverage this 2022 season, Jordan Smith. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? I, I understand you've had a pretty busy day. Yeah, <laughs> golfed in the morning, and uh, our uh, uh, I coach at South Fayette High School, and um, <clears throat> we got a little scrimmage in with Quaker Valley. It was a good match, and we won, so good day so far. Well, it's going to get even better because we're going to be talking about Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC. Uh, what, a what an interesting first half of the season. So this is officially our officially past the midway point. So things are going to start getting really interesting. I, I, I this point, if you asked me three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, what you thought of this team, and now ask me now what I think of this team, I probably wouldn't have wavered that much, although the results have been significantly improved over the course of the last week and a half, uh, thanks to a three-game win streak and a three games in about, I think, a nine-day stretch. Jordan, you watched the last home game. They, they just turned things up a notch in the second half, especially. It seemed like they really wore down, um, really did a, did a number. Um, in their last match, um, defeating the Miami FC. Yeah, uh, as we've known since last year, it's been tough for that Riverhounds uh, club to get that second goal before the first half ends. And they didn't succeed in that, but they came off right off the bat in the second half and they got going. Um, and I think that's crucial for them because they have been a team that has lacked being able to come from behind um, unfortunately, it does seem like when this team is down one nothing, two one towards the end of the game, it, it's just you got you got to be feeling pretty optimistic if you think a tie is going to happen or they're going to win. Um, but yeah, the result against Miami FC was nice. Uh, I think that six game drought they had might have been the toughest six game uh, that a tough the toughest little stretch under Bob Lilly in the past couple of years that I've seen. I mean, they couldn't score, they couldn't defend. It was just everything all around. Uh, the goalkeepers seemed to be slipping up. It was just uh, some, some not very good uh, uh, plays made by the team. Um, but it looks like they've kind of gotten out of that hump, um, and hopefully they continue succeed, to succeed moving forward. As we know, any professional soccer season, you know, maybe sans 2020, is, is a marathon and not a sprint. We yeah. look back at 2019, the year the Riverhounds finished the top of the table. That season, they had a really, really rough stretch. In fact, the beginning of that season, they won, I think they were two, seven, and four or five or something before they started to really get going winning, winning matches. They two wins in their first 11 or 12 matches, and that team ended up on the top of the table. So I think a lot of Riverhound fans probably are hoping for some sort of similar uh, turnaround, not really turnaround, but just stay the course. And then by the end of the season, this team is built. Bob Lilly has talked about this so many times. This team is built to, to be successful with a good, strong finishing kick. And they really weren't able to do that in 2020. It was just such a, you know, obviously COVID was such a huge factor that year. And even 2021, they kind of limped into the, towards the end of the regular season. And of course the COVID again became a huge factor because they couldn't compete in the playoffs because of uh, COVID positives. But 
this season, they've, they've, you know, heading into this season, there was so much expectation. They made a lot of good, really solid moves. They brought a bulk of their roster back. And, and yet there's been so many ebbs and flows, despite, you know, maybe more talent than we've ever seen on this roster, especially I would say attacking talent. If you look yeah. from top to bottom at the forwards, the mid, the attacking midfielders, the midfield players that they're using that they have on their roster. And yet it's, it's been kind of an up and down run so far. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say um, as we've talked before, it's probably not the time to panic. Uh, and they're not in a point where it's like, wow, this is a 10 game stretch of no wins. Like what's going on. Uh, I wouldn't say they've underachieved or anything, but there's probably been some results where it's like, yeah, they, they probably shouldn't have dropped that uh, win and got a tie instead, or eh, they shouldn't have lost one, nothing to Detroit city or what, whatever it may have been. Um, but yeah, there, there has been some ebbs and flows. I think too, with Bob Lilly, uh really stretching down the lineup using all sorts of different guys at different positions, clearly resting Dane Kelly. He's clearly not putting the USL all-time leading scorer in every minute using him every game, starting him every game. So that can make a difference. I think, um, uh, I think we've, in my notebook last week, I calculated, I think he's had two starts in the last like nine or eight matches. Oh, wow. So he's definitely been put, whereas Albert Dequo started five of the last seven. So that in terms of minutes played, and that's why the, the new addition of Edward Kizzo is going to be a very interesting development. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But oh, I wanted to no, you're out about that about Kelly. Oh yeah, no, you're good. Uh, that that's a good statistic. Yeah, I mean that just shows he's definitely resting them up for the final stretch uh, to secure that playoff spot, to secure that high seed, and to make a run in the playoffs because it, it is a marathon; it's not a sprint. Um, getting the addition of uh, Pitt alumni. Uh, Edward Kiza, um, coming over from New England FC, I believe. Um, Revolution, so, yeah. Well, he's yeah, the, so Kiza spent the first part of this season in Memphis with Memphis 901. I believe he made about eight, seven or eight appearances, 111 minutes total. I don't think he had one start. His two, he had two stints about 45 minutes, and everything else was like spot time off the bench. So Kiza, okay. but we know what he can do. We've seen him do it here at Pittsburgh. He's helped elevate Pitt men's soccer program from, yeah. you know, the beginning years of Jay Vit, kind of bridged those beginning years with Jay Vitovich program to that point where they made the NCAA tournament and he was there that year. And then, of course, was not part of the Final Four team because he with uh, gave, um, uh, sorry, he, started looking at uh, into the draft and, and really focused on that and was drafted in the first round in the MLS super draft. So yeah, he's going to be a very interesting addition. And I know Bob Lilly, I've had numerous conversations with Bob over the past year, um, even going back further about Kiza and his, how much he likes, he likes him and the, a lot of the attributes he brings to the table. So I think that's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in, uh, how he can quickly adapt to the system. If he gets in the 18, if he's somebody that's going to be, you know, impact wise, but just to add again to, to what you were saying, 
I think I, it's a lot of minutes. Albert Dikra has played a lot of minutes and Albert yeah. Dikra has, you know, that's, that, that's a demanding position in playing for Bob Lilly. When you play a, a forward in his system, you have to be able to cover a lot of ground and Dikra has been playing a lot of 90 minute games. And that's, that's a lot. I think they're, they're they are really counting on rotation squad rotation when it comes to the forward position. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. It, it is demanding to play as a forward up top uh, You're for Bob Lilly. You're the first line of defense. And Dequa does a great job of that. He's a grinder. And he's finally producing more uh, this year. Last season, it seemed like he was just snake bit and just wasn't finishing as much. Uh, he attempted bicycle kicks last year that were almost highlight real goals. Uh, he almost pulled off some crazy stuff. But this year, he's finally got that finishing touch back, it looks like, um, getting those goals. And Kelly, I believe he has uh, six goals on the year, but he, he's only played just a little bit. And um, Cicerone's in top-notch form still has eight goals on the season and some assists. Um, Forbes and Dixon are, I believe, in the top three in assists in the USL. Yeah. So they're continuing their playmaking abilities like always. And back to Kiza, I think he can fit very well in the system because it's almost like the Jay Vitovich system where um, maybe not the outside backs are exploding forward as much in Vitovich's uh, system because of the talent he had there um, with all American, you know, uh, fullbacks, but um, Pitt played the four, two, three, one. And that seems to be the formation that the Riverhounds have found uh, the Riverhounds. Yeah. Their, their system is so unique because it's, it is, it, sometimes it looks like a four, two, three, one. They definitely rely on those two holding mids, but mm -hmm. What's interesting about Pitt is that they'll, they'll a lot of times they'll stack it four two two two. Yeah, inverted. And they'll just yeah, but they're doing a lot. They're just doing a lot of different things, and those two 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 are in different places, and there's a lot of movement. But that's like you said, that's a lot like what Bob is doing, and here with the Riverhounds is there's a lot of movement, uh, especially yeah. in the top half of things, and so I think that Kiza is a guy that can, can, can get into those spots and be there on the end. If you look at his highlight reel from Pitt to 31 goals, you see a lot of times he's just kind of, they're not the most, you know, spectacular goals, but he's always in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And maybe they've missed a little bit of that uh, with Tommy Williamson last year. I thought Williamson was so, I thought that that's kind of how the player he was was so perfect in the box. He just knew the right place to be at the right time. Um, it's crazy how Pitt's trying that inverted fullback style, kind of how Liverpool has done under Jurgen Klopp. It's crazy how years ago, decades ago, soccer started off. So many teams played two in the back, and now it's like returning <laughs> 80 years later that uh, teams are sort of, in a sense, doing that. Um, but you obviously have to be pretty talented. To, to You have to have the right personnel to, to pull that off. But um, really do. But that's a, that that was that's a pit pit thing. And yeah. what's interesting is with Arturo Odonez and Shane Wheat are, you know, are with the Hounds now. But, you know, they're they're good in recovery, uh, especially Arturo. So good in recovering in one on one situations and recovering. He did that a lot of pit pit. We put a lot of pressure on their two center backs. Uh, because mm -hmm. they did rely on their, their outside backs to be a lot more involved in the attack. Um, you know, in, in USL, you do that, though. You're still – it just depends. It, the opponents and things like that. And the Hounds, you know, we've talked about this. We've gone back and forth 
that that outside back position has just it's been a revolving door in some mm-hmm. respects. If they go three center backs and, you know, Dix, Alex Dixon, who's such a playmaker, as you said, Dixon and Forbes have been key playmakers for the Hounds really the last two years. Since Dixon's arrived, you know, Canardo is, is going to be in the central uh, and be fluid and go move around a bit. But Dixon, yeah. you know, it's where they can find him in space. If they could get him in space, he, he's doing a lot of dangerous things. And I, I found that the, the New York uh, Red Bulls two uh, win was interesting because they Bob decided to put Dixon on the left wing in a three. I think it was dead. pretty sure they were in a three, five, two, uh, three, five. I'm sorry. They, the three, the three center backs and then put him out as a, as a wing on the left side. And of course, lo and behold, what, I don't know, about 20 minutes into the match, you know, Dixon is, or actually even before that, about 10 minutes into the match, he, they just, Canardo finds him in all kinds of space. Uh, and they, Bob must have saw something there and, and just and yeah. had Dixon on the left side. And, of course, he, he scored a, a terrific goal. And that's the thing. Like, I think they just want to get him into those open spaces. And if it means – but utilizing him as a two-way player as well. I mean, he's – I, sometimes I'm looking at the stat sheet and he's got like three blocks in a game and four interceptions. And he's doing a lot of the, the little things really well too. He does. He's a veteran. And, and I'm happy that this team has, has found, I think they've found the formation for them, which is that four, two, three, one, because I think the past two years where they were playing the, you know, the, the three, one, uh, or, what was it? Um, well, Danny Griffin was always holding. So uh, they, they would have, in a sense, like a, a three, four, three, but it was more of like a, a five, two, three. They did that a lot the past two years. And the issue I kept seeing was just they had the size um, with the three center backs, but too much. It was just those balls into the corner over the top. That's how like a team like the New York Red Bulls, a young, fast, determined team was able to just get it into the in those open areas. And I remember, I forget which player it was post-game, but it was a center back, and, and they stated that the players, the fours, just kept saying, played into space, played into me into space. And, and that's how you could beat the Riverhounds in the past. But with the four in the back system and Danny Griffin being a rock and Kenny in the middle too, I think they've found what works for them best right now where it, they have that offensive push, but the defense is secure. And who knows, maybe they can look at Dixon at right back uh DeSantis has done a decent job out on the left side um this could rest uh center backs now I don't know which two you'd go with uh Peters Peters has been on fire lately obviously team of the week last weekend two goals you could go with him and weed or him and Arturo um you still have Mikhail Williams too so um yeah there's a lot of options you could use out there I still see the three the three center back rotation uh, at times I still see that three yeah. the three or the five five, whatever it's going to be, five, five, four, one, or some sort of where they're using those wingers sort of to kind of be two-way players and then tuck back and really have a strong defensive shape. We've seen that a lot with Bob over the last few years uh, uh, using that uh, formation, but all right. So we're at mid season, the team, you know, like I said, just kind of setting the table, uh, they're 10, six and three, I believe, you know, they're, they're, they're 
past the halfway point. Is this the team that we, is this what we expected? I, I personally didn't think they would be at six losses, maybe four or five. You know, we're picking nits here, but there was a three-game losing streak towards the end of that six-game winless streak where they really kind of hit the bottom. And I don't think we, we saw that quite coming, but yet they've, they've turned things around. Is this where you expected them or where, where do you see at this point in the season, Jordan? Yeah, I think in the beginning of the season, I saw them as a top two team in the Eastern Conference, right up there with Louisville or Tampa Bay. And yeah, right now, I would just say what you're saying, it's just kind of nitpicking, saying, you know, up one or two less losses, uh, one less draw should have been a win. Uh, I'm sure most teams, especially the good teams, could have said, could be saying that too right now. I'm sure Louisville and Tampa Bay and Memphis um, would be saying, yeah, we should have another win or two. But yeah, it, it's not terrible. They're obviously clearly in the playoffs. Um, so that, I, I mean, I don't think this team is going to fall off a cliff and drop to like six or seventh or out of the playoff picture, but I'd expect them moving forward to at least be in the top three. Um, Tampa Bay's lost some players from last season. I, I think they could pass them and possibly Memphis. My guess is though, that Louisville is going to continue strong and, and finish first. Well, if you look at the table right now, of course, nobody's nobody's showing any signs of slowing down at the above the hounds right now. I mean, Louisville's yeah. won four straight uh, Memphis. Who's right behind Louisville. Their only losses to Tampa. Who's right behind them. And Tampa's on an incredible run of form right now. And yeah. they haven't lost in, I, I think in over a month and a half. And then there's the hounds who, you know, hit that, th- hit the skids, but now picked it up with three straight wins and, and it pushed, uh, they're in a tie with Detroit city um, at 33 points apiece. And then Birmingham's behind both of them. And Birmingham's in decent form right now as well. And then the Miami FC, who we saw the Hounds with that second return match against them, really figured them out, I think. I, th- I thought that uh, maybe it was a tough road trip for Miami, but Miami had a week, they had a week between games. And the irony was the Hounds were the ones that looked stronger in the second half. Where, and they had only, what, two three days, really two days rest between Wednesday and Saturday games. Yeah, you're right. Um, they finally figured out Miami. It was nice to see because all, all time in the five appearances before that match uh, uh, against the Miami FC, every game was either a draw or decided by one goal. So this was, you know, a good rivalry where both teams play that uh, defensive style. Miami FC playing 4-2-3-1 as well, uh, new coach this year. Uh, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe uh, had some matchups that didn't work out. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, it was nice to see them finally figure out the Miami FC and, and get going. Well, very interesting that, yeah, they they kind of figured out Miami. Birmingham's kind of coming up behind, so they're in that four spot right now, and you know it, that will at least guarantee one home playoff match which is something that, you know, we've talked about all the, every year, last few years, how important that is since 2019 when they had the two home matches and the packed crowds. And, you know, we've oh, yeah. seen some positive momentum in terms of crowds. The last few Saturday games with decent weather, I mean, they've been close to in the high 4,000s. Yeah. They're somewhere in the mid, I think, 3,600 average right now. There have been some drop-offs okay. in terms of, you know, the weeknight, that Wednesday night game against – in the 11, there was a huge drop off in terms of the, the, the attendance, but 
I think it was they were down to 2200 or something like that on the Wednesday evening game. But but so there's some momentum in terms of the home field. And so the other big point that I wanted to make here is Louisville City and Memphis, the Hounds have return matches against both of them. And they're both at home, both during down the stretch here. I believe one of them, I think Memphis, it's going to be in August and then Louisville in September or somewhere in that vicinity. All of their matches between now and the end of August are going to be on Saturdays, which, you know, gives them that full week of uh, preparation and rest and, and, you know, they could prepare for travel. Now they do have two weeks of travel. Now they have to go to new ABQ. They have to go to uh, New Mexico, to, uh, which is going to be a really, really tough match this Saturday. And then they got to go to Hartford where, you know, they looking in the standings, you know, that's a team you, you think they, they're going to need to take care of business and hopefully walk out of there with three points. So I would think four, four points in the next two would be good. Six would be great. And then they yeah. get home and there's a lot of that loud men, loud in Red Bulls. Um, there's yeah. a bunch of games in there. I think that the Memphis game is thrown in the, in the mix too in August. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but, I think that they'll have that that's that time the, the the you know the the week between games and that sort of thing, and then there'll be a couple midweek uh, situations in in September and so the depth with this roster. We talked about the addition of Kiza. There's there's guys you know we've got that whole left wing. I wrote about this in my notebook last week. There's a it's a rotating. Um, Door. I mean, I know Nathan DeSantos is, I, I think, is firmly established. Like he's about eight starts, or, and he did start the last match at, on the left. I guess you can call it outside back or wing, depending whether they're playing 4 2 3 1 or, or in a three man yeah. center back situation. He's a guy that I think is he's steady, and I think he's, he's yeah. not going to make too many mistakes. Is that the answer? I mean, is that. But then there's Toby, there's Toby Sims, who's got a, finally got a start or two on the right. Um, Luke Biasi can start on the left there. There's a couple other options. There's Robbie Dambrot, who started the season as the guy. I thought there was going to be the guy in that position, and then he's kind of gotten beaten out. We haven't seen a whole lot of Robbie Dambrot. And then there's Danny Rivera, like yeah. sort of the Swiss Army knife of this team. Where, where does he end up through the season? And one thing I've noticed the last couple of weeks is that Rivera – has found more time in the central midfield playing alongside Danny Griffin. Um, I know Angelo Kelly got a few starts in the holding midfield, and I think he showed some really positive things. So that rotation, that squad rotation, there's a lot of depth there. So all of those guys could start at it on any given night. And so I think in terms of depth, when you talk about making this final push, I'm doing the fist pump like Bob, you, know? <laughs> you make that final push, um, you know, you make that final push into the season with that debt type of depth, you would think they would really have it figured out. And I'm um, sorry, I just gone on a r- rambling about all this, but, but yeah, I feel like that, that once they really figure out that depth and those everyone's roles, I think they could, that could be a really good thing. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, we, we mentioned that coming in this year, it looked like there's tons of offensive depth in, in the midfield too. Tons of guys uh, getting chances. Yeah, we haven't seen too much of Danny Rivera this year. Uh, it, I believe last year is when Bob started to give him looks at center mid, and that's where he's been getting some time lately. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I'm very excited for the Louisville Memphis matches uh, matchups at home. 
Uh, hopefully there's big crowds for those, you know, no pens, no Steelers season. There's still the pirates, but you know, obviously they, they aren't that good. So you, you hope to see a lot of fans at those you hope to get realistically four out of six points would be, would be really good. there a win and a tie, uh, something like that, but you don't want to go into, but honestly, I really hope in those two games, um, you know, maybe use the depth around the Loudon games, the New York Red Bull games, start to use the depth, uh, see some some guys get some looks and some different places. But maybe go with your true starting lineup, like what Bob thinks is his best 11. Use that for that Louisville and Memphis game to see what you really have, because you got to beat them in the playoffs, probably if you want to win at all. So you got to see how you look against them. Um yeah, you got you got to see how Dane Kelly does against them if if he wears them down or uh, what the case will be. Well, we one interesting thing we we saw on Wednesday night was that when Dane Kelly starts, I I think Albert Deeker is the guy that that could come off the bench if if that's the case and yeah provide a spark as he did and got the goal in the only goal to beat Indy eleven. Jordan, do you what do you think about in terms of really locking into, you know, you can move things around a player here, a player there for each game, but really locking into a rotate solid, a little bit more of a rotation. Um, do you think that's something that Bob uh, probably wants to do and should do as he goes into the second half? I, I'm hearing you sort of say that, but I just I'm just figured I'd pose that question. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure if he wants to, because we've heard Bob in post-game conferences all the time talking about rotation, uh, you know, guys getting rests and stuff. But I think he should, at least like the last five, six games, and like I mentioned, especially against those uh, big teams like Louisville and Memphis, I think you got to go of what you have. I mean, I don't think that's the night that you rest like four or five starters I don't think that's the night where you say, Alex Dixon, you're going to go in the last 20 minutes. That's it. Like, no, nah, I, I think you got to go full 90s uh, or at least up until 70, 80 minutes. Um, those guys got to give it their all and see what they got. I mean, that's it, it's just like that in any league, you you, you know, in, in the NFL, the NHL, um, you know, the Penguins aren't resting guys against the Capitals. They know they're going to face them in the playoffs. They want to see what they have against them. Right. I'm looking, I was just looking over, they, the Hounds have had 20 players start the season, 20. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's, yeah. that's saying, look, I'm spreading the wealth the first half of the season and yeah. giving everybody different. And this is just the league. You know, we know the open cup provides other opportunities. That was two right. other matches that gave other guys opportunities to get more starts in. We, we didn't see uh, Jamali wait. The third started the season essentially third on the depth chart. We didn't see mm -hmm. him until the Open Cup, right? So the, I I think there's a there's a a sense that I think Bob has probably have seen a lot now. He's I I think there was at some point maybe about three or four weeks ago I said I haven't seen much of Angelo Kelly Rosales. Yeah. I haven't seen much of him, and all of a sudden we saw him you know get two straight starts and kind of have an impact and and. And, and, and show what he can do as potentially when you need a, a holding midfielder, that's going to, that's, you know, it's going to, it's going to be tough as nails and, you know, win balls and, and just scrap and, 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 but have the skill and, and to be able yeah. to do different things. Uh, may, 
certain matchups may call for him to be in there. Um, so I do think that there's 20 guys that have started. I think out of those 20, I think you could say, say, you know, for sure, 18, 19 of those guys, I think Bob could feel comfortable going with any of them at any time, but I do think it's, it's time. And I think he'll start to kind of close in through this as the second half of the season goes, we go through the next really six to eight weeks, maybe six to eight games. I think he's going to start to close in on what he really wants this, his, his main 11, his 14, his 15, 16, 17 are going to be. Um, I will say the last, I think personally think even the 2019 year, I don't think he felt comfortable beyond 15. I think he was at 14 or 15. And then he just, he just wasn't comfortable pulling more guys into the, I mean, if you look at the 2019 playoff loss to Louisville and the 2020 playoff loss to Louisville, both times Mm -hmm. he just was hesitant to go to go deeper into his bench late in the game. He, he ended up, you know, riding and dying with what, you know, was his kind of core rotation of maybe 13 or 14 players. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. He started 20 because what you can only uh, you can only dress starting 11 and seven subs, I believe six and usually one goalie. Um, I think the biggest question mark now that we, we actually haven't brought up yet is the goalkeeper situation. Um, you got Kevin Silva, Jamali Wade, um, White. I, I'm sorry if I pronounce it wrong. I think Wait. it's Wade. Yeah. And uh, Chase Vosvik. And I think Vosvik has only made two appearances. It seems like, wrong. yeah, it seems like he's the third string guy now. And I'm no goalkeeper expert. I can't uh, say which one's better. I'm not seeing them in training, uh, seeing who's quicker on the dives or what may it be, who handles, you know, uh, crosses better. But all I can say is I definitely saw one bad match out of Kevin Silva. And I have a friend who is uh, who played goalie in college, and he's a big Riverhounds fan, and he believes Waite is the better goalie. Um, now, does Bob think that? Uh, do the assistant coaches think that? I don't know. Um, maybe that's something we need to ask. Uh, you know, I asked Bob about the, that game where um, – was it the 5-2 defeat um, at home – yeah, to Tampa. Yeah, Tampa. That's right. Yeah, and Silva was just—I mean, he slipped. I mean, two that or three of those game. goals yeah. were his fault. And I kind of asked Bob about it, and he kind of dodged the question a bit, you know. Um, but that's a hard question you got to ask. But I mean, it's, Silva it wasn't is. great that night, but no one was. Well, the journalist Jordan Smith was definitely on <laughs> his game that night because you definitely had yeah. to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob was diplomatic. And he said, we just weren't very good in the back. Yeah. The very, you know, con- diplomatic response in terms of we just weren't very good in the back, in a, a keeper yeah. in the back line. And he's right. I mean, that night, they you know, were. we, there we, yeah. I think we could pick almost everybody on the back line who made a mistake. He, yeah. he did. He spent, you know, 20 minutes in his press conference, to, you know, saying that. But since that 5 2 match, you know, that's where, since then they they buttoned things up real tight and really the late goal in the last game i just keep saying four nothing it was a four to one it felt like a four nothing win the other day but the four one uh win you know that that's something where um you know that the, the two previous wins were shutouts. so i 
feel like they've gotten their mojo back a little bit in terms of defensively. Um, maybe that was a wake-up call, the 5-2 loss. Yeah, it could have been. And, yeah, I think the defense is playing better and not only defensively and less turnovers, but all of a sudden they're, they're, uh, they're scoring. Uh, Arturo, uh, Shane Wheat, Jelani Peters getting two goals. Um, and that's huge for them because these guys are big and we just haven't seen many set piece goals uh, the past couple of years in the Riverhounds and under Bob Lilly being a defensive gritty team, you would expect a lot of those trash goals, a lot of those, you know, bounces in the box, uh, a lot of headers of, of big time defenders uh, getting their head in off corner kicks. Uh, so if they can become a threat on the set pieces, I mean, that's what helps you win playoff games. That's what helps you when you play a 90 minute game where it's so even and it's a, it looks like a draw, but you just get that one corner kick. That's, that's what can make a difference. So I hope to continue to see that because besides for Tommy Williamson's free kicks last year, there's been nothing <laughs> of that until the, until the past couple of weeks. Right. And Canardo Forbes for, you know, all time leading assist man in the USL. And he's, you know, he, he, he's very dependable when it comes to, the corner kick when it comes to the free kick I, he's not i think he's more finesse in terms of placement and yeah. he's solid if not really spectacular he's not gonna try he's no roberto carlos you know we're lining yeah. up uh, <laughs> no one is. Kick. um you know we're not expecting that or even a, a beckham you know uh, obviously but yeah he, he has he can bring some things to the table in the free kick i think there's a couple guys you know that that Bob has tried some different things and some different people, but he's never really, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, like in terms of letting, taking off the handcuffs and just letting a guy, you know, go for it in, in, in close range uh, free kicks, you know, I, you know, we saw obviously had Robbie Vincent here in 2015 and what, it, yeah. I mean, never seen a season like that. Uh, maybe Corey Herzog had touches of it, when he had his two year run here where, you know, even Corey, like was just so dynamic where he, if he was in close range and he was lined up for a free kick, you knew the keeper had to be aware. Um, obviously Robbie Vincent, but the, the, the Bob Lilly Riverhound teams just don't. And, and it's one of those things. It's like a basketball coach who believes in the high percentage shot. You know, it's like preaches the high percentage shot. Well, obviously the basketball has changed so much. So it's good three pointers and all that, but but, yeah. but the point I'm making is like Bob is like that old school, you know, basketball coach. He wants the high percentage. He wants to pound. He wants to be, if you look at the shots on goal, if you look at the shots on goal and where they take place, 85% of the hound shots come from inside the box. It's about right. build up. It's about getting it in the box. It's about like, as you talked about, you know, getting those, second ball type goals and there's a lot of that in the bob lily you know system and i think not rely he i don't think he wants to rely on individual flair or one brilliant strike i mean if it happens it happens and you know they'll celebrate it and they'll welcome it but it's just not really a part of the the lexicon of the pittsburgh riverhounds under bob lily i i just don't i don't see that yeah, I think you're right. Um, free kicks, you know, being outside, just outside the box where it's it's an opportunity where 
it's a th 25 to 30 yard shot where the wall is set and you have a chance to bend one in. It's, it's odd because I've known people um, that I've played with and professionals where they have such a great shot, but they just aren't free kick specialists or they're very good at free kick, uh, kicking a free kick, but then they're just not as uh, composed in the box. It's funny how it works. It's a special talent. And, and we've seen Kenny score from distance before. Um, I don't think there's many others on the team that have scored too much from outside the box. Um, I've just, in the past couple of years, when I've seen free kick opportunities, except for Tommy Williamson, who's gone now, I've seen Kenny take some, you know, 24 yard free kicks. And I've seen uh, Dixon, I think a few times. I'm wondering if, you know, they haven't been playing Dane Kelly a whole lot. I'm wondering if he's out there for the opportunity. He's scored more than anyone in this league. Give him a go. Let him just say, hey, rip one. Uh, I don't think I've seen Cicerone take many. Cicerone's a, a PK specialist. He's taken some penalty kicks. But um, does Cicerone have the finesse? I mean, I think so. Um, but, yeah, Bob does just like the drawn-up plays. Everyone get in and crash. Um, that's kind of how he's designed it. For sure. Um, so, anyway, just kind of the look at that group. You, you mentioned Cicerone. We've gone this far into this podcast and not talk about Russell Cicerone. He's leading the yeah. team in goals, seven goals. You know, that early part of the season, it was sort of just seemed like the Dane Kelly show. There was a lot going through Dane. Um, he was finishing. He was in those moments. And Russell was hitting, you know, maybe some unlucky chances here and there. Wasn't getting as many chances. But again, Alex, you can't deny the love, the work rate that Russell brings, the work rate that Alex Dixon brings, the work rate that Albert Deakwood brings, you know, over the course, you know, now of what, 18 games, these guys are going to produce. And I think that's the thing. You stay the course and these guys will produce. And I think that's what we've seen. I think we've seen Russell Cicerone, you know, just give him his, give him, just keep rolling him out there. His work rate is always going to be there. He's nonstop. He's the motor. He's one of the guys that just makes this team go. And you, you, you know, you take him out of the lineup and you notice that sometimes you just notice like, all right, let's start maybe one night here or there where, where Russell didn't get a start. And this is no knock on the other players who started in his place, but just, just a different dynamic. Yeah, I agree. Um, his work rate's fantastic. He will go up for every single header, every single second chance ball. I know the one time we interviewed him after a game, he had a big bruise on his eyebrow. I mean, was that the game where he had the bandage on his head too? He had one game where he had a bandage on his head. I forget if it was the same game, but um, either way, in the, in that four two three one uh, formation, I just think he's perfect out on the left wing. That seems to be where he's most comfortable. I mean, he can certainly play in the center if you need. He can play up top uh, as the lone striker. He certainly can. But he, he's even told me after games he likes to be on that left side. That's where he feels most comfortable. And then you have Dixon on the right side, too, where he's played for years. I mean, just like last year, they were the dynamic duo, the two of them. Um, just just solid players. And, and you look at just the attack, it, it's, it's a great combination of, of talent up there. I Honestly, Jordan, I think a lot of the pieces are in place. Danny Griffin has, once again, this season, has done – what he did last year. And that's just, yeah. again, just minutes playing a lot of minutes, 
but he, you know, we're, we're seeing him evolve. There are, there have been times where Bob has pushed him higher up in the formation, whether it's if he yeah. wanted to high press and use Danny kind of to be a nuisance up there. Um, I know last year more, I haven't heard you say much about it this year, but I know last year you talked about Danny, be, you know, can he be a little bit more of a playmaker? And he's had his moments this year, I think, where he has box to box. And when he's playing a little bit higher up and he's in with the attacking group, I think he's he's done some things. He's his production isn't, you know, really uh, there. But I mean, I think he's got like a goal, one goal, one assist. Um, but, you know, there. I think he is what he is. He's going to scrap his, and as well. He's going to be smart. He's going to be um, his act, passing accuracy continues to improve. Uh, and he's a guy that I think you you don't. You, when you look at the starting 11, you, you're almost always going to see Danny Griffin in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, he's a workaholic. I don't know how he does it. Like, literally played every minute last year, but like 13 minutes or something like that. I mean, that's just incredible. Um, but he's, yeah, he's he's been a true six for this team, a true holding mid, very uh, Sergio Besquets type style just without the diving and <laughs> even though i'm even though i'm a fan of barcelona um yeah but, and i uh, see his numbers are 1700 minutes in 19 he's started 19 of 19 games i mean he's just unbelievable iron man he's their iron man he is you got to have one i think and i i guess in that six role it is box the box but you do have that time to to cool off a bit and you know sit in front of the center backs and just pass around and he does such a good job of it. He rarely turns it over, and he goes into every tackle hard. Um, and, and for being a shorter player, too, you know, um, he's like my height, maybe even shorter, um, but very, very strong guy. Um, yeah, he's been solid. I mean, he's Bob, L Bob Lilly 2.0, and that's why he's out there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so we're looking at this team. Your starting 11 is – do you have – do you have a if you were to pencil in a starting 11 it's the first playoff match um what do you go with i'm putting you on the spot here i think i would go with uh dane kelly up top cicerone out left uh dixon out right um in that attacking mid role uh kenny um and then the two defensive mids uh i'd probably stick with uh uh rosales um and and Danny Griffin obviously, um, and then left back probably Dos Santos for the time being. I think you'd have to stick with Jelani Peters right now. Uh, hmm. I'd probably go Arturo right back, and Shane Wheat the other center back, or or actually uh, Arturo center back, and then Shane Wheat out on the right. Uh, that'd be my back four. And in, in goal, I'd I'd go with Jamali Wade uh, for now, but. Uh, I think if there's one player or two where you could possibly fill in with someone else, it'd be the left back or defensive mid with Kelly Rosales and Dos Santos. You know, maybe maybe we'll see throughout the season someone else take that uh, from them, but they seem to be the guys right now. Yeah, but I think that front four is pretty much set. <laughs> I think you're you're right on. It'll be interesting to see. So you obviously didn't mention Deepway, you didn't mention Keyes, obviously, Brent new to the team yeah it'll be interesting to see the impact and if Kiza becomes part of a rotation you know maybe Dixon drops deeper and that takes out you know maybe they go they go with a three well it'll just be interesting to see 
how that that goes uh, or they could the other thing you think about if you're adding a forward maybe they maybe they are going to go they could go three they could go three up top they could go i yeah. mean a traditional three up top uh like a four three three i i don't know if they would ever go there i i, I could you go four three three and put dixon as an outside back or one of those two wingers in the middle three uh, yeah it, i a lot of things you could do there is i i've been saying from the start of the season if i was the coach I'd probably be fired by now because of just how aggressive I'd be because I would just be thrown out a four, three, three every time because I wouldn't be able to help myself. I mean, just put Cicerone, Dixon and Dequa or Dane Kelly up. I mean, that'd be so much fun, but yeah, in the three, I mean, obviously if you do run three in the midfield, you could have uh, with in a four, three, three, you could have Danny and Kelly Rosales really sit back and then Kenny just be the attacking guy. Mm -hmm. And, but this team has never played a 4-3-3. I don't see Bob ever doing that. Um, if anything, it'd be a 3-4-3, but, you know, that just and turns we into a... variations of the 3-4-3. We have seen yeah. a lot of what that, the three center backs and then the two outside yeah. and the four midfielders are those, they could either be the two kind of, you know, tucking back as defenders, but then getting up forward. And I think that's where I think that, the Alex Dixon factor could come in, but if you go three, five, two, then you could play, you could potentially play Kiza or Kiza Dequa. So any combination of Kiza Dequa and Dane Kelly, mm -hmm. and then you could use Russell Cicerone and Dixon with, you know, as the outsides in the five. I mean, it, there's, 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 that's something you, that could work if potentially, I mean. Yeah. But that's a good point. Um, I think Dixon would do just fine at right back or wing back, wherever he's at, mm -hmm. um, or if he's right wing up top. Uh, has Kiza a question? Because I, I had not watched Pitt as much as you. Did Kiza ever get time in like a right wing, right mid, left mid type role? Or was he no, just a lone forward the, all the he time? Was the, he was the – what's interesting is that when Kiza left, they really, really went into that four two two two. Whereas okay. when he was there, he was a little bit more in a target, kind of in that target role. Um, no, not when you had, they had the likes of Berton Jacasson and um, yeah. Dexter, um, Alexander Dexter on the yeah. wings, and they were feeding Kiza a lot. So yeah, that's, that wasn't quite what they did with, you know, with, with Edward. They, Edward was more, but he was, making those runs you know like that's something bob wants to see um from all of his forwards and all of his his wingers and his attackers um but again it'll be interesting if, if he does go and he has toyed with the two up top really russ mm -hmm. russell and dequa a couple times in the last three games yeah. have you know have been at that point where they're almost like two forwards in the top of the rotation so um all right. Well, we've spent a lot of time tonight talking about the, you know, potential formations and things like that. But really, this this last stretch, where do you see it? Do you, can you see the Riverhounds maybe making inching forward and getting closer um, to the top of the table? Um, or is it going to be they're going to be stuck into that third, third, fourth or maybe even fifth if Detroit City really continues to uh, be a, a, a nuisance as well? I um I hope they keep uh they keep on a roll here. I mean, 
if they drop back, uh, they stay fourth, drop back to even fifth, then we're going to go into playoffs thinking, oh, it's just going to be another first-round exit. I think in order for us to feel very confident about this team, I um, I think they can. I think they can for sure. I think if Bob narrows down like his top 15, like we were talking earlier, and he starts to use that group more and collect those points instead of just, you know, uh, accepting the squad rotation all the time and just seeing uh, what results those guys can get. Um, and you win some games against some big teams and you don't drop any against some weak teams, don't drop any ties, then, yeah, I think this team finishes second or third as they should in the conference. And then you feel more confident like, hey, they can finally go on a run, maybe get to the semifinal this year or something instead of a first-round playoff loss to you know, Louisville every year. I, I kind of agree with you. I, I be, and I think that having the last, I think it's five of the last eight matches at home is mm -hmm. very helpful. There's what are they? Six, one and one or seven, one and one at home now. Yeah. Very good at home this year. They're very good at home. And they haven't played, they, they've played more games on the road this year. So I think that, yeah. that, I think it all will even out. Um, so that home record will be, will be helpful and a push to get, maybe one, maybe two playoff games at home, I think will be huge because I think seeing Louisville city later in the playoffs is what they would rather do rather than early. And the last couple of times they've been in the playoffs, they've had to play Louisville city either first round or second round. And that's not where they want to be. They want to see, but you know, Memphis, Tampa, Louisville city, you know, Detroit city, whoever it is, you know, those are, I would imagine would, particularly Louisville city and Detroit are the two places I wouldn't want to go to in the playoffs. I play away matches, but you know, you'll, you'll, yeah, yeah the, the hounds are proven. They've gone to Louisville and won Detroit city. Yeah. Would be, I mean, if it's a playoff atmosphere at that place, that's why they got to make sure that they stay ahead of Detroit in the standings. Cause that could be a first round matchup potentially. And if they don't finish ahead of Detroit city, they're going to be first round, Let's go to Motown one more time, uh, hand track. And, uh, uh, and that's, that's a tough, tough environment. I mean, the Columbus crew couldn't even uh, navigate that environment. Uh, so I, I think that that's going to be something that the Hounds, are, I think, are going to be desperate to want to make sure that they finish ahead of Detroit City. Yeah, I'm very impressed with that fan base in their first year in the USL. Uh, a great crowd up there in Detroit. I'm happy for them because the Detroit Lions haven't been very good. Red Wings are in a rebuild. So uh, it's good that they have a successful team up there right now. The Tigers um, are, I mean. Yeah, I then there's know, them too. Right? No they're, one they're cares about baseball anymore. Okay, who cares? No, they're actually the Tigers, I think, are, are a little bit better this year. But, yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It's it's a, I think it's nice. We talked a little bit earlier about the, the whole Rust Belt, the potential of having a Buffalo franchise a cleveland franchise detroit that would be so much fun in the years to come uh, i think that would be just so much fun and you know we see it um on other levels but not in the usl so i, I think that's something that um would be fun down the road but yeah so the rest of the season i think i'm looking at you know maybe a, a third or second place is is really really important for the riverhounds i think second would be as high as second would be really nice um, yeah. But I just Tampa and Louisville, I don't see them budget budging much. And I, I think Memphis is the one that has sort of surprised everybody. 
I know we just the Detroit City's. Uh, we if you looked at our preseason podcast, you know Mark Goodman brought up Detroit as kind of the most interesting team. To what we didn't yeah. know what to expect from them. We didn't know much about their roster. You know they they come in from a different league and. Um, but they've, they've proven that, you know, franchises with a lot of fan support and they have the resources, you know, they, they're, they're going to be here to stay in the USL championship. And I think they're, they're definitely going to be a nuisance for whoever uh, they play um, in the playoffs, if they can get a home match um, for sure. But yeah, I, I think a second or third place finishes is, is really, that's, you know, at the beginning of the season, we said, is it, is it, top of the table or bust, but I think more important, I think the thing that's more important is going to be how well are they playing as they finish the season? Are they ready to make a playoff run? Can they do, can they really get far in the playoffs? And I think that's where this whole thing is building. So to be able to make a move and bring in Akiza in mid season to have the depth, to have guys like, Luis Argudo on kind of in that second group who an experienced MLS player, you know, have the depth that we talked about earlier. I think all of those things, you know, as long as they stay healthy, I think this team should be right there with Louisville, Tampa, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. That's what we predicted at the beginning of the season. And that's what I'm anticipating at the end of the season. I think in the Eastern conference, it's going to be those three, and I think if the Hounds can position themselves, get themselves in position where they can have as many home playoff games against all of those other teams underneath Louisville City and Tampa, then I think they'll have it. But if they have to go on the road early in the season, it's just, I mean, early in the playoffs, it's going to be a crapshoot. Yeah, I agree. You got to position yourself well to make a run. Um, I mean, the, the higher seed you get, the easier team you're uh, theoretically going to face. In the first round, I wish too. I, I think this would have helped the Riverhounds the past couple of years if in USL playoffs that there was uh, two legs, at least maybe past the first round. I think that would have helped them. You know, maybe they go and drop one, but then they can come back at home. To me, that's just that's what true soccer is. I wish at least the semifinal and final was was two matches instead of one. Um, to me, I feel like it should be that, but. Um, maybe down the road they can make those changes so it looks more like the European kind of table more so. Well, and the season's going to be – it's interesting because they're finishing in mid – I believe mid-October. Mm -hmm. The playoffs are going to be quick, and they'll be over by early to mid – early November, I believe. They want to be completely finished before the World Cup has any, gets, gets started. So the idea uh, is yeah. the domestic league's done or on break – um, before the World Cup gets started. So that'll be, that. it's going to be a mad dash once they get to September and October and potentially into early November, it's going to be a mad, mad dash. So definitely a lot to look forward to. Absolutely. Uh, Got to get those games in before the World Cup because let's be honest, everyone's going to choose the World Cup <laughs> over USL soccer. <laughs> well, and that's, that's, you know, we're looking forward to Pittsburgh soccer now um, down the road there's going to be some things in terms of coverage and things that we're going to do structure wise in terms of our, uh, what we do here um, and do some world cup things. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah. really looking forward to this, the second half of the Riverhound season, we've got high school season coming up. The colleges are just starting to grind around. 
Um, there, there has been news today. I don't know if you saw this and uh, it's just kind of come across uh, later in the afternoon today. Um, but the Riverhounds did announce their new president. Yep. Um, I just, I don't know if you've seen any of that, uh, Jordan. I did, yeah, earlier today. And so the president, um, uh, Vic Gregovitz had left uh, his helm uh, with the Hounds. And, you know, I think in, in one year, he was a little bit more than a year, but, he, you know, he was a Pittsburgh guy and he was, um, you know, I think he did, had a long, um, successful career in sport management and uh, working in professional sports uh, throughout much of his career. So to be able to come back to Pittsburgh and, and to be able to help, you know, post-COVID, help sort of turn the program around a bit, uh, at least in terms of getting some structure in terms of the attendance, um, the, the staffing, all of those things. The, the presidents of the Hounds, are, uh, you know, take a back seat in terms of the on the field soccer stuff that it's not really what they do. It's not that type of setup. Um, and so, so yeah, so Vic Gregovitz did, you know, I did, did a wonderful job and um, now I'm trying to find uh, the information here, but yeah, no former um, Orange County um, FC uh, uh, front office man, uh, sports executive, Jeff Garner is the new president and um, Garner comes to the hounds um, as three, after three successful years as president of business operations um, with Orange County SC, which won the uh, USL championship. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he saw, oversaw all aspects of their business operations. Um, if anybody's familiar with Orange County, it's uh, kind of like, like a suburban area outside of LA uh, that has its kind of its own, you know, Kobe Bryant, was famous for for being uh, loving and living and loving that area, taking yeah. kind of taking it on his own, um, and in fact, so much so that he hated to commute into L.A. to go to practice, and he would, yeah. you know, unfortunately, um, he took a helicopter, you know, uh, to to go to practice. He was obviously yeah. that was his fate as well in the helicopter, but um, unfortunately, but yeah, no. The point is that Orange Orange County. Um, you know that's that's a vibrant area with that has that has supported a USL championship team that has had success, and so I think Tuffy Schellenberger, and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, saw that you know they wanted to find someone who has had success at this level, uh, in and and not just bring in you know somebody who's from Pittsburgh. Not that and again, Vic I think did a fantastic job. But bring somebody in who could really develop a business plan and maintain a business plan going forward with this club that, you know, and we could, we could, I'm sure I'll look forward to meeting um, Garner and, and talking with him uh, in, in detail about his, his thoughts or what he wants, um, his vision for this franchise, because I think five to 10 years from now, you know, there's a, they could potentially outgrow Highmark Stadium. They, they, there, there's some, some growthish questions there, and or do they grow into it in a certain way? Um, so yeah, no, it'd be a very interesting hire. Uh, he is um, from Pennsylvania. He's a York, Pennsylvania um, native, and you know he worked at Penn State um, as their assistant athletic director for t ticket sales and service. Um, so he definitely knows the area, 
and he's going to be someone who I think that, um, you know, kind of knows Pennsylvania, knows USL championship. So, and, and Jordan, you, you've worked for the organization at uh, different points or as, as a student and as an intern and stuff, but I don't know, what, what are your thoughts just in general on, on this hire? Yeah, it, it makes sense to me. Um, he went to Robert Moore's, played football, I think, or baseball, one or the other. Uh, he's in the Sport Management Hall of Fame uh, at Robert Morris, which is really impressive. It's tough to get in there at that. Um, Vic was actually in that as well, I believe, um, was a member of that. Um, so small world. Um, I wonder if he was at college. Well, I'm sure Vic had some say. I know he was involved in some of the interview, you know, um, in terms of the interviews and yeah candidates and things like that um he had an opportunity to help a little bit before he left yeah he did and uh yeah like like you mentioned he worked at penn state as well um and he's had success in california with the usl team um orange county who who won this past season the usl um so yeah i i think it makes perfect sense uh, i do wonder what his five to ten year plans kind of looking five to seven years is there talks of uh expanding the stadium uh they got to fix the parking that's an issue i know from so many fans um the venue's great um you know are they going to look into mls or is there any other leagues they're they're looking into you know uh do they want to um do even more with the academy um you know how is the improvements going to go along with the montour uh junction sports complex uh along with uh allegheny health network their uh, uh partner in that um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, clearly the Academy teams have had tons of success. The Riverhounds have done a really good job of providing great training for, uh, young boys and girls in the Western PA area. Um, so yeah, I think with him, it just seems like they could get bigger and be more successful. And I think the biggest thing is the professionals, uh, the, the professionalism has continued to just, they've taken a, a notch up each, each year, it seems like. You know, and this is part of that is having uh, that professional structure. I think they've come a long way over the years, and, and it's not really, a, you know, I know the Steel Army likes to use the words loosely, garage leagues, and things like that. I think the US <laughs> has come a long way. I think the, the Hounds have to want to be part of that, to want to be part of the second division. I think that was a big deal. Like when they, they were meddling with the third division and USL and then NASL. There's all of that was going on. They had to make a commitment. They had to be able to, you know, have 5,000 pe people in the stands. They had a set up facility. They had certain standards that they had to meet. And I think that they're, they're trying to maintain and exceed those standards. And I think that's where they've come even since the time when you were working for the club or I way back when I was first covering and, and seeing things uh, in the early 2010s uh, when I was around a little bit more on a regular basis as for the first time. I, I've seen them come a long way uh, in terms of that, you know, improving where they are. Oh, yeah, I have too. I mean, since I was an intern about six years ago, I can tell with the, the part time employees, the interns, uh, game day staff, I can tell it's it's way more organized. Uh, way more professional than when I was around. I had a great experience uh, six years ago. I enjoyed working for guys like John Rods, Scott Gibson, two guys that have been huge for that organization, basically since it was created and founded. Um, they've been there since the early 2000s and um, they've done a hell of a job. And, 
Yeah, they're just really they definitely are that number four team in the city behind the Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, obviously. And um, but they want to become that they want to be on the Mount Rushmore for they don't want to they don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, they're there. They just want to be like, yes, this is a team that fans really like to come and, and watch their games and actually have a good experience. Uh, great entertainment value. Um, the food's great there. It's delicious. Um, so yeah, they're, they're doing well. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see. Right. This I, I think that that's a very good point you make about mountain. And I, I definitely want to, we're getting um, cognizant of time, but we're, I, I just, that Mount Rushmore four they're right now they're not there, um, mm -hmm. but they, I think they need to be kind of on that. They, I think they, they, they're just fighting to be there. And yeah. I think there's, there's a chance over the next five to 10 years, they could, they could break down that, uh, you know, get, get higher up on that wall. Um, get, yeah. Get, Cause right now it's probably pit football. Pit football is probably that fourth. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's, you know, they're, but they're, they're kind of, they're, they're close. They're getting closer. Um, yeah. with, but as I've said a lot and over the years through my coverage and uh, is that I've always felt that the incremental growth was the best approach and that mm -hmm. they didn't try to do too much too fast. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have that type of ownership that FC Cincinnati or some of these other clubs had Nashville. Right. It was a totally different approach with those clubs that they just jumped into the USL championship basically for a platform a blueprint to be able to jump to the next level. Um, that's not never really been, I mean, other than the fact that when Highmark Stadium was first built and there was some of that talk about, oh, you know, this could be the platform to go MLS. We knew, most of us in the circles here in Pittsburgh um, knew that that wasn't realistic. And it certainly yeah. wasn't, but not, but I think just building a successful USL championship club and let it, let it ride for, for the next five to 10 years and see where it takes them. Um, because who knows what the American soccer landscape is going to look like five to right. 10 years. Um, I mean, There's the money new leagues and things are changing yeah. at the top level and promotion relegation is, is debated. It's talked about, but it's right now it's the first division and the second division are so far apart in many yeah. respects. So, but it, it's yeah. fascinating and it's fascinating to talk about, but, it is. But that's, I think their success is going to be incremental and they just need to stay that course. I agree completely. Yeah. Small baby steps. The turtle wins the race. I that's agree. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope the hounds aren't taking small baby turtle steps in <laughs> the, uh, to the second half of the season. I think that on the field, I think they're looking to race forward into um, and try to win a championship. I think that's the, the bottom line. And I think that's all Bob Lilly's thinking about right now, yeah. morning, noon, and night. And, and the Steel Army behind the team and, and, and the fan bases, you know, I think, I think there's a sense of now that this three-game win streak has happened, um, that they, they're, they're, they're really going to make a, a significant push. So, Jordan, um, we've gone way over, and but it's been good talk. It's midseason. It's a great time to really break things down. So I think this was a, a good forum to do that. Uh, thanks for all your, you know, all that you're doing to support our site and, and, and your, your contributions. Uh, really appreciate it, Jordan.
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for leading the way. Um, thank you all for who listened to this, made it this far. Uh, we talked a lot there, uh, but I think for an hour, hour 15 or so, but hope you enjoyed it and uh, hope you look forward to the rest of the coverage, the rest of the way. And uh, we got some good stuff coming along the way for high school and college too. So if you're yeah. a big fan of that, should be good. Yeah. And just a quick, before we say goodbye, I do have plans to attend training early next week. So I'll be out of the training. Um, there'll be some post game. Uh, we're going to try to do some post game things uh, after now that they're flipped the page into the second half of the season. So our coverage will start to include uh, even road post game um, analysis shows, maybe 10, 10 to 15 minutes max on Pittsburgh sports live. Uh, we will also um, start to ramp up sounding off on soccer uh, through the course of the season, uh, the rest of the second half of the season, um, looking at different perspectives. Uh, we did start to plan uh, having some coaches uh, involved as well uh, in terms of getting some uh, Pittsburgh soccer perspectives uh, on sounding off on soccer and uh, looking forward to the high school season. So that's a whole nother package. Um, and we're also looking at some additional podcasts as well for that. So Jordan, uh, thank you again. And um, should be a fun second half of the season for the Hounds. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. Good night. Good night, everyone. Bye.